Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dr. Zen and the Greatest of All Sinners. It's a podcast where two men of great faith and even greater doubt engage in discussion about pop culture, sports, science, history. It's the events of the day as seen through the lens of eternity. It's the seven deadly sins meets the eightfold path. <laughs> I am your host, Ray Agostinelli. I'm here with Dr. Zen, my brother, Paul Agostinelli. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. Good morning. Good to be back with you guys. Great. And the greatest of all sinners, Jeffrey Lawrence Whedon. Always heaven to be with you guys. Fantastic. Well, it's been a few weeks since we've gotten together, so we have lots of things to chat about and uh, would love to hear right off the outset here how, how you've been doing, Jeff. I know you're just getting off a cruise to the Bahamas. Yeah, I was recently uh, detained by Homeland Security. Holy cow! Uh, last week as a result of the cruise. Um, as a criminal defense attorney, I'd like to tell you that whenever you find yourself in an area uh, composed of white painted cinder blocks, you know you're entering the pit of despair. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. should have your attorney and your bondsman's uh, number on you at that point in time. Uh, after about a half hour of real personal terror, where we were escorted off the cruise ship at the end of our voyage and told nothing, nothing by anyone, uh, we found out I was using a passport that had been reported as lost by us and subsequently found by us and then used by us for our trip, <laughs> which it turns out is a no-no. Can't do it. So we cleared it all up. We were on our way. I want our faithful listeners and the Augustinelli brothers to know that no prison walls can hold Jeffrey Lawrence Whedon, the greatest of all sinners. Holy no. cow, it's bringing to, did you actually like pound out of the walls with Hulk-like strength? Uh, with my mind. Oh. And my words. Nice. Yeah. It's good to know that you can escape from hell. Wow. That <laughs> might come in handy. That might come, come to handy. that. Exactly. Recently binge heard two Bill Bryson books, 1927 and At Home. I'm a little late to the Bill Bryson party. I realize that. Um, in part because uh, Ray uh, turned me on to Bill Bryson. Um, what have you two freaked out about recently, either about listening or hearing? I got to give you props first off for the term binge heard. Great coining there. Never heard it before. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. Never going to be using it soon. I'm going to go with a book I picked up a few weeks ago, which is blowing my mind. It's called The Hidden Life of Trees. It's written by a forester in Germany. He's been managing a forest over there for 30 years. And he has these fascinating and mind-blowing things to share about how trees live, how they support each other, how they communicate with each other, how they raise their young, and how all this unfolds over decades, I'm sorry, centuries of time. A 200-year-old tree is a young tree in a lot of species. And it's just mind-blowing and fantastic. I love it. That is fantastic. My book is going to be mind-blowing in a slightly different way. Um, the book I've read that sort of freaked me out is called The Grid, The Fraying Wires Between Americans and Our Energy Future by Gretchen Bakke. And it's a historical account of how our electrical grid came to pass and sort of a look forward into what may lie in store for us in the future. And it's actually quite chilling uh, to learn how fragile and uh, vulnerable our electrical system is and how fraught with um, uncertainty the future is with regard to different energy sources. So highly recommend it, but a, a little bit of a, a, a chilling. Actually. Yeah, really. Uh, thank you. A big fat bummer. And uh, I'll go out and grab that. I think Ray's an infrastructure geek. <laughs> I am kind of. Wow, that's the worst. That's the worst. Hey, if you're and if only we could have trees that did my taxes. <laughs> um, I would like to. So yeah. um, all great sportscasters have a, a great catchphrase. And as you know, I endeavor to be great in every area of my life. And when I'm a sportscaster, I'm starting to build up some of those skills. Um, so when punctu uh, punctuating some exemplary achievement in sports... 
Um, I've been working on mine, and when some moment of brilliance occurs, I will ejaculate, Mommy! <laughs> <laughs> oh my, oh my. Uh, what about you, you guys? Say that. <laughs> I think it will be big. Um, can you give me your best original sports program catchphrase? Ray. <laughs> Uh, well, I, at first I was going to go with something like Zingo. That's great. To just got a little zazz to it. But I, I, great. I think I'd like to be contemporary. I'd like to sort of work my way out of the, the infrastructure Greek la geek label that was applied to me moments ago. <laughs> and I'm going to go with WTF. That's good. <laughs> okay. that's really I want to good. appeal to the millennials, and I'm going to go with the, with the three-letter uh, acronym. That, WTF. That's better than mine, I think. <laughs> All I got after hearing yours, Jeff, is... Oedipus! I don't get it. <laughs> you're ejaculating? It? You're ejaculating mommy? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, that's what you did. You kind of walked into that that's, one. Yeah. You're, yeah. No, you're, you're taking that. Okay, I got another that's one. Weird. I got another that's, one. That's I'm going to, I'm going to, how about this? Badoodle! No, no, <laughs> like that, that was. I meant that to be kind of a pop quiz sort of thing. Usually, you guys are funny, smart, and it, it, we'll we'll move on. Um, dear friends, Ray and Paul, that's the you two. Um, I'm uh, I'm HBO uh, streaming cheating on my wife with Westworld, oh, um, which we're gonna talk yeah. about mm, a little bit later. Are, Not yeah. the cheating, but the Westworld. And um, guys, I'm also, uh, well, you know, there were some themes that were difficult and there was su supposedly some talk of yeah. maybe some uh, sexual violence and yeah. those sorts of things. Didn't know if, you know, I wanted a Game of Thrones, my wife again. Um, and well, apparently so you can't be a prestige drama on pay cable nowadays without having a fair dollop of sexual violence. All right. So I think it's written into the contract. So it's created some problems and, and I'm I'm contemplating now Netflix cheating on my wife with the get down. Ooh. Um and I'm not sure she'll like it. Um, it's my justification. My son recommended to me um, as one of the only people on earth to have read every word of Bradley and Dubois' anthology of rap. I'm very excited to see what the get down has to offer. I'm not sure if Tommy will even like it. Am I justified? Am I okay? Any advice or stories about streaming cheating? I, I got to co-confess that I, that I stream cheated oh, no. with my girlfriend with Westworld as well. Oh, we watched the first episode together and wow. then she went back home. She lives a few states away mm -hmm. and I watched the next three by myself. And I, and I told her about it and I guess my question to you guys would be, do you tell when you do it? Um, you know, a relationship gets vulnerable when you're apart and that's hard. Yeah. Um, I think you have to tell. I agree. I think you have to tell in probably the sooner the better because mm. I think those lies and that secrets they tear you apart they eat you up and they ruin and they make whatever particular damage that might happen even I think even greater in the future mm. Agreeable. so I think I did, you did the right thing I think you got it. I think you got a talent I think it'd be worse it'd be compounding the error if you were to sort of yeah. watch it with her Again, a second time, pretending, pretending. you haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. Fake stream with her. Fake, 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 stream, fake streaming. Fake stream. Mutual yeah, so, streaming. Yeah, yes. I wouldn't. I, that, I agree. That's awful, um, gentlemen. Since um, uh, this is something that you guys will probably uh, we haven't talked about this, but I'd like to bring you up. Since the Federal Trade Commission investigation of possible prosecution of us and our podcast is winding down against Dr. Zen and the greatest of all sinners uh, because of our use of sponsors that was so profoundly successful on the behalf of our sponsors. Uh, that it looked like um, it was um, possibly breaking some rules regarding trusts and corporations and antitrust <laughs> situations um, and uh, creating monopolistic
specific sorts of situations for our sponsors. I'd like to suggest, uh, now that we're able to start with a blank slate, um, some uh, sp potential sponsors for our show. Um, and perhaps the most, uh, let me start it off if I could, uh, the, particularly because of my, um, my, what I give and bring to the show, the, the essence of me, I think in many ways, would be a poopery. <laughs> which is a uh, product um, that you, you it's a it's an oil that you spray in your toilet bowl of pleasant smelling stuff um, uh, before you do your business so that you don't have to share your business with others that's a catchphrase that's free to them if they come to us <laughs> I, I just did that on my own um, but you know maybe some of the other podcasting luminaries of sponsorship um, Squarespace uh, Casper mattresses or uh, Poetry Magazine that seems particularly apt <laughs> all good ideas show, it? what about you guys well uh, we can reach out to those guys no they'll reach out to us so we <laughs> they'll reach, out, reach out, to out to us oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, out when, to when they hear about our immense power to catapult people to monopolistic uh, well, strength I just by not, sponsorship. Listen, yeah. They've heard it. They've I'm just heard it. to make the connection between the show. And I love those guys. <laughs> yeah, that would be us. That's us. That is us. Go ahead. The company that I would believe would we would benefit uh, if we can get them in as a sponsor is the Fuller Brush Company. What? The one that jumped to my mind. What? These what? are the guys who used to go door-to-door uh, -door salesmen selling hairbrushes. No, I understand. And they had a lifetime guarantee. And you know, this is a, a classic sort of as old school as as a salesmanship gets. And I think you know with podcasting now we're about as new school as they get right so i think let's bring the fuller brush company into the modern age i'd love to have them as a sponsor if you're out there listening get in touch okay well that, that was nice that in the podcasting world they call that skewing older and we just yeah. skewed back into <laughs> yeah. i think the 1800s <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that demographic yeah it is I'm not sure. alive I'm a, that's bad <laughs> that's not yeah so but uh, I, I, poor I, consumers I, great yes. i love you i don't want to squash in the idea let's listen to it and see if the fuller brush okay. people call us let's work it yeah and, and if that works, yeah. maybe Encyclopedia Britannica will come calling. <laughs> oh, wow, exactly. I love encyclopedias. I loved them as a kid. Great. We ready? No. No. Let me do one more thing. <laughs> okay. One more thing. Can I? Please. I'm sorry. Let Please. Because I read something that I got to share with get you. Get it out. And, and, and I know you're trying to get to the show proper, but um, let me read a five-star rating I found on iTunes uh, regarding Dr. Zen and the greatest of all centers. It said, quote, Dr. Zen is the call of the wild like dominant primordial beast of podcasting. Is there, it, it, there's no one anywhere close. He says there is nobody close, Larry from Illinois. Wow, guys. I mean, it, it's, I, I know we want to be humble. We want to be, we want to be fair and that sort of thing. But um, since we're so good, I mean, is, doesn't he have this right? Isn't he onto something? I, I think he does. We all know the primordial power. Is that the word he used? Primordial, primordial dominant power. beast. Dominant beast. <laughs> Call that, of the wild. That act. we are, and I'm, I'm glad you know all of us and our uncle Larry in Illinois also, <laughs> you know, took took the bait when I when I sent him that email. Um, okay. Um, normally, when you hear primordial, me anyway, I think you know what's the next word you normally think of? What's that associated with? Primordial? Slime. Exactly. Ooze. Ooze. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ooze and slime. So yeah. I'm glad Larry found a way to sort of you know. Bring the beast. Bring, bring the, the beast. beast. The beast part of it. So That's it. That's thank you, Larry. That's thank you, Larry. And all Larry. Shout that. shout out to other Larrys out there, and not just other Larrys, but other listeners in, in Lawrence's, Lawrence's, uh, Leon's, uh, Lenora's. Uh, write us. 
Um, call us and give us your feedback and let us know yeah. if you feel like we're the primordial ooze or the primordial beasts. <laughs> hey, let's get into some issues because that's what we try to do here is to pose some issues to you guys yeah. and have you reflect from your points of view of ideology, religion, and the people you are. First one is a business-related question. This oh, week, exciting. Yeah. AT&T proposed to buy Time Warner for $85 billion and With a change. Is this healthy vertical integration, content plus delivery, or yet another media mega merger bound to harm consumers? Paul, what do you think? Well, this might surprise you guys. As you know, I'm usually against big mega mergers and mm -hmm. the borgification of our utilities and things like that. I typically don't think it serves society. But mm -hmm. in this case, I actually don't think it matters that what? much. No. I, I don't. If you look back at communication networks, they oftentimes just go through a stage where they kind of take over the content production. It happened with the TVs. You had the networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, being the ones who produced the series that they delivered. And this is kind of a replication of that type of dynamic and it's mostly happening because there are other avenues and channels for the consumption of that kind of, of content. So I don't think it's going to necessarily reduce competition. It might have deleterious effects on costs and such, but this is not an essential content that's being delivered here. This isn't, you know, these communication networks develop information in important news as well as entertainment. And really, we're getting our information and our news from other sources. This is all about entertainment. And so we can take it or leave it. I don't think this is going to be a critical kind of uh, thing for our society mm. either way. Well, you know um, how much my heart is made happy by disagreeing with you, Dr. Zen. <laughs> and um, I have to say that if any of this crap moving forward gets in the way of my proposed reboot of Three's company. <laughs> I am going to be very angry at you in particular. But those, those people, Time Warner and this other man, I'll be mad at you and I'll be cross at you um, because my switch on it is a very diverse cast. Uh, oh. Yeah, that's, uh -huh. that's the reboot. Okay, there may so, be uh, other reasons that doesn't go forward, just to say. Uh, I'm going to ignore that. Okay, because okay, you're kind of bringing us down the whole podcast, Ray. Um, everyone now knows that the greatest of all center loves him some capitalism. He does. Oh, yeah. And that Dr. Zen oftentimes does not so much loves him some capitalism. He but, you know, there's got to be limits and balance to capitalism and the concept of monopolies and trusts and the terrifying specter of unfettered capitalism. I buy all that. And I see this as a, ter a potentially terrifyingly profitable merger for the companies and shareholders, but I am not convinced it brings any real benefit to the consumer, and I'm not sure that's a big deal either. You know, I think that as long as the consumer is not being hurt, uh, perhaps uh, we will have to just uh, agree to agree with each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think when that happens. It's a bummer. Oh. Well, I gotta say, you, that's why I love to do the podcast with you guys, continually surprising. You did come down a different size of the issue than I expected you to, and um, it, it, perhaps the, the Buddha and Adam Smith both are rolling over in their graves <laughs> as the, uh, the capitalist goes uh, anti and the anti-capitalist goes in that direction a little bit. Mission accomplished. Very good. Hey, let's move on to a sports question. Um, we are in the midst of a historic World Series. Um, the Indians haven't won since 1948. The Chicago Cubs last World Series dates back to, I believe, sometime in the Pleistocene epic. <laughs> Love for you guys to reflect. Um, give me your predictions as well. Jeff? So we've been thinking and chatting about this for the last uh, few weeks. 
um, as uh, Dr. Zen of the Greatest of All Sinners. And originally, um, I had uh, I had a different idea. Now I'm predicting with the benefit of seeing uh, the games come uh, on uh, and, and seeing some of the results, the Greatest of All Sinners pre- uh, predicts Cleveland in seven. Cleveland in seven. And, and so at the beginning of the playoffs, I saw the Cubs as the cursed, destroying, history-shattering juggernaut. Cubs in six. Two words, Joe Madden, or two more, Theo Epstein. Mm. I challenge you guys to identify two contemporaneous, uh, better, more impactful hires in, the, in all of the sports world. Uh, Joe Madden, you know, Theo Epstein putting it all together. Joe Madden, the Uber manager of the Cubs. He's the benign, mad scientist doing things no manager has ever done, like starting a player that never took a bat in the regular <laughs> season. Uh, Kyle Schwarber looks like a, a doughy, moon-faced billy goat from the stars. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland came into the playoffs missing uh, key components of their squad to injury. Decimated. Um, maybe their best player, Michael Brantley. Uh, numbers two and three starting pitchers. And their starting catcher, surely this would be impossible to overcome. Um, we are witnessing two managing jobs for the ages uh, with Cleveland's Terry Francona and Joe Madden of the Cubs. All right. Great stuff. What do you think? I, I think Jeff's branding instincts are right on. I can see it now. <laughs> Kyle Schwarber, Astro Goat. <laughs> He's got to pay you for that one. <laughs> yeah, a historic World Series, I think, any way you slice it. You've got the Cubs who haven't won since 1908. You've got the Indians who haven't won since 48. And you guys may remember, were I think, robbed of a World Series championship mm. in 1997 when they went to seven games against the Marlins and were faced with an umpire who, who must have been blind for the game and was calling strikes all over the strike zone was you could throw at the pitcher's head and he was calling strikes and it and it's considered now 20 years later still to be kind of a miscarriage of justice that that game was so poorly called and the Indians may be robbed of a of a series championship so they're in there great sentiment around it great sentiment having the Cavs won the NBA championship yeah. mm-hmm. so you got a great kind of role and momentum going there and of course the stories with the Cubs a couple of just little niggling caveats around the series oh one is one is going to be does does Major League Baseball need this level of drama, this level of incredible storyline that's going to appeal to many people in order to, to stay alive? Um, if this were a smaller market team or if it didn't have this kind of compellingness, you wonder whether people are going to stick around for these three, three and a half hour games where mostly nothing is happening. <laughs> and it gets really up in the head. Aficionado. So I, I love the game, but frankly, I can't watch a full baseball game myself anymore. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but great storyline on this way. I hope the Cubs win. I'm going to predict Cubs in six. Mm. I'm going to go with that. And I want to give a shout out to we got the Indians in the playoffs in the World Series, and I hope that as many people paying attention to the Cleveland Indians in the World Series also pay attention to what's going on with the Dakota Access Pipeline and pay attention to what's going on up there with those Native Americans and those Indians, because that's worthy of attention as well. Well, we may have a topic for discussion for next week on that one, certainly rich area to mine. I'm just going to chime in, give my two cents worth. I'm going to line up with uh, Grace Ball Sinners. Indians in seven. Of course, we are we do have the vantage of being three games into the series. They're up two to one at this point. Um, but still, I would have gone that way, I think, uh, earlier in the series as well. And um, very compelling storylines. Personally, I think LeBron gets an assist if the Indians do take it. Because I think what he did with the Cavs, with the NBA, to bring them to that title, it genuinely did give them some faith. They believe 
the energy, the power, the belief, um, I think is a, a key component to wow. what the Indians are doing right wow. now. LeBron's a big assist guy too. And he's yeah. a big assist guy. Um, did I say Cubs in seven? I'm, I'm going Cubs in seven. Cubs, Cubs in seven? Okay, okay. Seven. Cubs in seven. I think you did it's say not Cubs an, in six. It's okay. not an auction. Yeah. Just yeah. make well, the prediction yeah. and move on. Yeah, you can, you, you, can, you can revise it before the end of the podcast. You can still change right. it. And still go <laughs> Once we put it in the can, that is your official Cubs in three. Apparently, we'll change many times between now and the next 15 minutes. It's fair. He gets to do what he wants. Okay, hey, you started talking about Westworld earlier. I'd like to explore your guys' thoughts a little bit more on this. This is the HBO remake of the 1973 Yul Brynner film based on a Michael Creighton novel. I know you guys both saw the original movie. I know that you guys have both read Michael Crane, I would love to get your thoughts about the series and about the uh, writer. Paul? Yeah, I was a big fan of the original movie, big fan of the original book, big fan of early Crichton books like The Terminal Man and especially The Andromeda Strain. Good stuff. His later material, I think, is weak, really weak, as he got really kind of screenplay-oriented and very simplistic plot-oriented. But that's for another day. Uh, or maybe it's for today. But Westworld is great. Westworld is... I'm loving it. I've seen all four episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're doing a great job of bringing in interesting questions about what it means to be human, what it means to have artificial intelligence, what it means to have memory and what that is all about and what trauma is all about. And it's just really fascinating, super well done. What do you think, Jeff? Well, I, you know, I love it. Um, Westworld is must, a much, it's must watch cable and a pouring out of the bowl of the apocalypse. Ooh. <laughs> it made me stutter because it was so profound. Um, Evan Rachel Wood is glorious and luminescent yes. in that. She okay, glows, she gleams, she shines, she sparkles. The show is so troubling, so real, and yet so false. It's the Matrix meets the Magnificent Seven meets the Love Boat. <laughs> and, uh, the marriage of computer ease and sex slaves and our black, dark nature. It's AI meets Edge of Tomorrow meets Groundhog Day. <laughs> the beauty of that westernized painted black by the Rolling Stones. So good it would make Keith Richards put his drink down. <laughs> Until the scene was done. <laughs> so smart and yet so lazy and stupid and strange. When machines that outmatch you in every way and show you and tell you they want to commit revenge and murder against you personally and you spit shine them and put them back into service or cold storage. I see that as a little bit lazy, but I love it all and it's fascinating. It continues something that is troubling, though, in that this current age of misanthropy, where we want to burn everything down that's that's current or like Avatar and Planet of the Apes, where humanity's the enemy, and we're asked to cheer our ignominious defeat. Um, why is this current zeitgeist so intent on burning everything down? It's something we can maybe talk about in the future, but right now, I can't, I'm enjoying burning it at all. <laughs> can't get enough. As much as I hate to say it. And there's spectacular writing, there's spectacular lines. One of my favorites, problem with the righteous, they can't shoot worth shit. <laughs> and by the way, there is no movie, no television, television show, no documentary that could not be improved materially by playing a Johnny Cash song <laughs> over in <laughs> None. It was beautiful and wondrous and terrible, and I'm enjoying it. Michael Crichton, uh, as opposed to my dearest friend, uh, Dr. Zen. Michael Crichton is the Edgar Allan Poe and the H.G. Wells of our age, giving vocabulary and dramatic rendering to some of the terrors of our age. Some terrors we we didn't even know about, from genetic and medical horror and tyranny to AI, virus slash zombie fears, the nature of the mind, body, spirit, and our very humanity. Holy cow. 
<laughs> well, well, we have the baseball singers ready to hand the Nobel in literature to Michael Crane. We have Dr. Zen, uh, co- basically called him a talentless hack. No, not that bad. I think he's more he's more like the Jacqueline Suzanne of our. Oh man, I think no, blow. That is, I think I see blood coming out of your nose. Right there. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, lively discussion, but um, the folks at AT AT&T, as they acquire Time Warner, which owns HBO, can be very happy to hear that both of you guys are loving the new Westworld series, as do I. All right. Our our final topic um, is... In regards to our hometown metropolitan area, while we weren't looking, Denver has become one of the hippest places in the country. Yes. Young creatives are flowing in. There's a burgeoning tech scene. There's the great outdoors all over the place. We've got an explosive pot economy going on. Is this cool or what? I mean, here's a chance to kind of show some props. Shout out to our... Adopted home to your natural hometown, Jeff, our adopted hometown region. If you feel that way, or, or maybe you have some mixed emotions about it. No, you're so cool, yeah. so great. I mean, I have a love affair with Denver, uh, native. Um, and, and, but this particular question is tricky and hard for me because the change doesn't come without pain for me. Mm. Um, this is super hard. I love Denver, love it. And uh, But you also know how much I also love to be the old man yelling at the kids to get off my lawns. <laughs> right. Except now it's just me yelling, stop sleeping on my sidewalks. <laughs> I think the young creatives are fantastic. I love what's going on in River North and, and Hilo and all these great, the art and the food and the beer and the everything is just fantastic. But, you know, it's the marijuana tourists and that kind of craziness that's perhaps not the greatest influx of <clears throat> citizens. It's strange to be regularly confronted with small groups of grumpy, panhandling, needy, and stoned millennials. <laughs> I remember the last... Oh, no, wait. I, I, I am the last person. <laughs> I remain... I remain the last person in Colorado to have never tried marijuana in any way. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, um, I, you know, I do as a way to protect my fragile brain, but also because my mother was kind of the lips that touch liquor shall not touch mine gal and that uh-huh. sort of thing. Uh, thankfully, that virus didn't infect me. <laughs> but it's possible that the only alcohol my mother ever ingested was because she was roofied with a cherry chocolate covered cherry cordial. So it's like chocolate covered cherry cordial that someone, uh, 20 years ago, she's still bitter and twisted. So, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with all that crazy. She's still drunk? <laughs> it might be. It might explain. She's a little tipsy. Um, now there's just these angry, unwashed millennials hovering like fruit flies around a putrefying mango that is the Cherry Creek bike trail. Oh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you definitely pulled out the curmudgeon card right there and played it very well and <laughs> very you. strongly. Thank you. Dr. Zen, what are your feelings about so-called hit Denver? Well, you know, like explosive pot economy aside, interesting image, isn't it? Exploding <laughs> pot. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad the area is getting some great recognition Jeff's been a resident longer than we have, but we've been here for 25 years after growing up on the coast by the water. And I just love it. And I think it's it's long been a place that, that foments and nurtures creativity, partly because it's a liminal place. 
It's a place where the mountains meet the plain, and it's similar to a coast where the ocean meets the land. And coasts and mountain ranges have traditionally throughout world history been places where a lot of culture happens, a lot of creativity happens, innovation happens, and culture moves forward in really interesting ways. So I think it's happening here. I've got a good friend who grew up in Los Angeles. He loves it there, and he finds himself drawn back and back to this area to come mm. and set up shop because it's got a similar energy to the coast. And I'm, I'm glad it's all really coming alive right now in a really exciting time. Cool, great to hear. Well, uh, the, the, all the listeners out there, hopefully, if you're not in this area, you get a little bit of the sense for what's going on in this area. Maybe think to visit. But and stay, stay off Jeff's <laughs> lawn. <laughs> hey, let me get your guys' final thoughts as we move into wrap-up phase yeah, for today's podcast. Let me, let me do this, if sure. I could, please. Because, please. Um, guys, this is hard for me. Um, Malcolm Gladwell is said to have said uh, that he hates the Augustinelli brothers, both of you. Wow. With, quote, a bitter and deathless hatred. Wait, wait do, do Canadians bear bitterness and hatred? I didn't know they, they were they might, doing that. But Malcolm does. Oh, my. How do you respond to that? I'll tell you how you respond to that. <laughs> how do we respond? Mr. Gladwell, we did not start this battle, this feud. But I assure you, we will end it. We will make your world a podcasting abattoir. <laughs> we will taste the iron in our mouths and bathe in your podcasting sanguilineal spray. <laughs> and I've got a great idea, guys. Uh, take your laptop to work day. It's just like take your, <laughs> take your, take your child to work. Okay, okay. Like your daughter or your right, son. Right. But instead, you take your laptop. Wow. That's crazy talk. Just think about it. Just think about it. <laughs> well worth thinking about. You, you might be in danger of getting some work done if you do. Once but a year, I don't know. Once just a month. Saying, just, just think about it. Third Tuesday of every month that begins with J. Why don't we make it like There's that? no downside. There's no downside. All right. And with that, we're going to call it a wrap for this week. Dr. Zen and the greatest of all sinners. Both of you, it's been a wonder talking with you again. Uh, we'll be back next week. Fantastic. All right. It's been fun. Love okay. you guys. Okay, Bye. guys. Love you. Bye.